Last night we released the word of the Lord over Perth. I believe with all my heart that God is, is saying it is the season for Perth to step into its apostolic place, into its apostolic order. One of the things that apostles do, Paul said uh, in the book of Titus, for this reason I'm leaving Titus in Crete, that he might set those things in order that are lacking. Apostles and apostolic people bring divine order, divine government. You know what? Cancer in the body of a believer is out of order. <coughs> and apostolic government brings cancer under the, gov- under the subjection of the government of God. Fear in the life of a believer is out of order. And when the apostolic order of the Lord comes, it brings the spirit of fear under the government of God, under the weight of the government of God. Now you believe the Lord is bringing Perth and Western Australia under the weight of the government of God. I believe the Lord is laying an invitation out for you to bring your life under the government and order of Almighty God. That your life begins to line up with what Holy Spirit is saying and doing in this hour. Amen? And so we really released, I believe, last night an apostolic word about revival in this hour. And this morning I want to go in a different direction, but I believe it's needful. You know, Ephesians 2.20 said that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I am convinced that in revival and in the revival hubs that God is raising up, some of them churches, some of them not churches, some of them evangelistic, some of them prophetic, but these wonderful multifaceted expressions of God that live and breathe and exist to see transformation in in their territory. I'm convinced that in these revival hubs, there's got to be a divine link, a divine marriage of the apostolic and the prophetic together. You know, apostles moved by mandate. Paul falls asleep one night, has a dream about Macedonia, and it shifts the course of his ministry. Apostolic people moved by mandate. Someone said to me one time, I said, I'm sensing a shift. I'm sensing a relocation in the natural. And they said, well, you just need to get a map and pick somewhere that you like and move there. And I said, I can't do that. My whole life I've went where I felt a mandate to go. You see, I believe there's a mandate for you to be in certain geographical locations. And apostolic people moved by the mandate. But you know, a revival hub without a prophetic spirit, without the cultivating a prophetic atmosphere, will be absolutely dry and miserable. And so I want to talk this morning about cultivating a prophetic spirit. I believe all of us are called to be prophetic. It's not just reserved for some unique breed of prophets, but God has called all of us to be prophetic. I'm periscoping myself. Let me turn that down. God has called all of us to be prophetic. I was going to share it. Each and every one of us, he wants to release a prophetic spirit within us and upon us. God wants us to flow in the know. And these revival hubs have got to be places, not only of presence, but places of great prophetic understanding and leadership. In fact, I believe there are sounds of the Holy Spirit coming forth in these revival hubs to unlock things in the atmosphere. I believe that prophetic worship is one of the markers of these revival hubs, that zones and territories of glory are being unlocked by the sounds of the Holy Ghost. 
Ghost, we're not just getting on a stage and performing anymore. That performance spirit's being killed in this hour. We are getting on a stage and the, and the prayer room is spilling over into the main room. And the expressions of worship being born in this hour are expressions of manifest and intense presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? To release a prophetic canopy that you enter into the atmosphere and you flow in the know. Amen? This prophetic spirit is absolutely critical. I believe it's just absolutely critical to what God wants to do in this hour. Without this prophetic spirit upon the body of Christ, we're going to miss it. And God does not want you and does not want I to miss it. He wants us to be right smack dab in the middle of the plan of God. Amen. And so we've got to develop and cultivate a prophetic spirit. You know that you've got to be intentional if you're going to be a prophetic person. Now, I know that may cut against the grain, but I don't really care. That's just what, what I believe. I believe to develop a prophetic atmosphere in your life, you've got to be intentional. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Developing a prophetic spirit in your life begins with this. It begins with the revelation that every single one of us are hardwired to hear from God. We were born and created to be led by the Holy Spirit. It is not an accident that God speaks to us. It is not an accident that God talks to us. In fact, it should be abnormal when God is not speaking to us. And really, He's never not speaking to us. Sometimes we're just not hearing clearly. But He's always speaking. And so we've got to get this revelation on the inside. That we are hardwired to hear from God. Romans 8 verse 1. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation. No judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh but after the dictates of the Spirit. God wants to slay the condemnation in your life. Condemnation will keep you out of a prophetic spirit. Condemnation will keep you out of a prophetic anointing. Why? Because you disqualify yourself. God is talking. God is speaking. But condemnation, uh, the work of the devil on the inside of you will keep you out of the flow. The devil will tell you, well, you're not hearing from God. The devil will tell you, well, you can't prophesy. The devil will tell you, well, you can't uh, pray for someone. The devil will tell you you're not spiritual enough. And that's condemnation. There's a journey that you and I are on and it's straight into the heart of the Father. And in the heart of the Father, there is only freedom. There is only love. There is only glory. There is only grace. We are His children and we've been born and created to hear from God. We should be a people alive with revelation the book of revelation said the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of jesus when we're spending time with god we should be moving in revelation god wants to give us massive downloads for areas massive downloads for territories i believe for the plans of revival to unfold and revival hubs to rise up there's got to be revelation it's critical amen But the enemy wants to use condemnation against you. Now look at verse 2 of Romans 8. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new nature, our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and death. 
You see, the law of Jesus on the inside of us, that law of liberty, that law of life has freed us from the law of sin and death. When Jesus came to live on the inside of me, freedom came to live on the inside of me. Heaven came to live on the inside of me. Healing came to live on the inside of me. There is nothing standing between you and heaven. Heaven is on the inside of you, waiting to spill out of you. And prophetic revelation is on the inside of you, waiting to spill out of you. And so to to cultivate a prophetic spirit, it begins with the revelation that I'm in him and he's in me. And therefore, condemnation can't stand. Condemnation can't live. One of the things the enemy will do is he brings a spirit of confusion on people. You know, in the lack, in the absence of teaching and training, confusion arises. How many of you have ever began to have experiences with God, but you didn't know what they meant? And what happens? We see, uh, receiving revelation is just the first step. There's really three steps. There's reception. That's the, the first step, reception. And after reception, there's interpretation. And then there's release. If God releases you to release it. As intercessors, many times God will show you things that are just for you and him. For you to brood over and pray over and let Holy Spirit nurture. So once you receive something, you've got to learn how to properly interpret that and discern it. I make the joke when I teach on the prophetic ministry because I'll be traveling and, you know, some nice person walk up to me and say, I have a word for you. Okay, what is it? Oh, I just see you in a field with yellow flowers all around you. And I always go like, yeah, and? Well, that's it. Well, that's not edifying me. That's not helping me. See, what happened is you were receiving something, but you didn't properly interpret it. Before you release something, you have to get an interpretation. What am I seeing and why am I seeing it? And what am I to do with what I'm seeing? But most people are just stuck on receiving. And so you've got to get set free from condemnation. And you've got to get set free from confusion. If you have any kind of prophetic DNA, and again, we all do. You don't have to be a prophet to be prophetic. As a child of God, you should be prophetic. If you have any kind of prophetic DNA, it's your responsibility to develop that DNA through training. In the absence of training, confusion arises. I got a great revelation this morning already. I found out there was one other person as strange as Jamie. A lady that got up and testified. I didn't know. So we had to come halfway around the earth to find one more. Amen. But I love what she said. She said, look, I didn't understand how I was wired. I didn't understand the experiences that were happening to me. When I was 16 years old, I, God told me to get up in the morning and begin to go to this prayer group at 6 a.m. I'm not a morning person. And God told me, I want you to go to the prayer group. And it was all older women praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'd go to the prayer group and something would start shaking on the inside of me. And I would hold on to the chair and my hands would start trembling. I didn't know what it was, but it was the prophetic anointing stirring in me. Well, I became very confused about it. Why? Because I didn't have training. I believe one of the critical things in the revival that the Lord is birthing in this hour is we've got to have training. God wants to mantle his people with a massive prophetic spirit. But in the absence of training, there is confusion. Many churches have rejected the prophetic. Many ministries have rejected the prophetic. But you know how wonderful it would be if everybody in a church was hearing from God? There wouldn't be strife because God would be calling people to repent. 
And you can't always just go around and tell everybody else they're supposed to repent either. I hate when people always have a word for somebody else what's wrong with them. Now I want to say, what about the word about what's wrong with you? It's easy to get nasty in the prophetic and start pointing fingers at everybody. But I find a real prophetic anointing draws you to the heart of Jesus. And you get drawn to the heart of Jesus, you're going to end up on your knees in the presence of the Father. Totally free. Amen. And so confusion will keep you out. Many, many people have a prophetic spirit, but they have no, they're not cultivating. Get your hands on everything you can to cultivate it. And then another step is, is, that'll hold you back is a lack of faith. Faith is the result of revelation. When God speaks, faith is released. That's just that simple. Why, does God, why, why will God come into me and heal people through the word of knowledge? Because faith is released. See, when a word of knowledge is given, you're, there's a healing in that word. God doesn't step into a service and say, I'm going to heal backs just to say that. God steps into a gathering and says, I'm going to heal backs. And that's a hook that's being put out in the spirit. But you have to bite that hook and then let the Holy Ghost reel you into the boat and bring you into healing. Most people don't partner with their prophetic words. And that's why they're disturbed and confused. It takes partnership with the prophetic words. When God speaks, faith is released. Romans 10, 17 tells us that. That faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. By the word word there is not the logos. Doesn't mean if you buy every book I've written. And every CD I've got. Which I don't have any here because we sold all of them. But next time we will bring them. Doesn't mean that if you buy all that and listen to that and read all that, that you're automatically going to get faith. You're going to get faith based on what God reveals to you. Why do some people live in cities? Because they have faith to be in that geography. Why? Because God spoke to them. Now, God may have spoken to them through a picture. God may have spoken to them through a dream. God may have spoken to them through an encounter. God may have spoken to them through a word of knowledge. See, the voice of God is multifaceted. Really, I think there are three prominent places God talks to you. God talks to you through your spiritual mind. Your spirit has a mind. God talks to you. He talks about the mind of the spirit in Romans. He talks to your spiritual mind through thoughts and impressions. I call them little God thoughts. They're just little flashes. Sometimes I'm preaching and I get a little flash. You should pray for that person's knee. And it's just a minor little blip. And I could just totally overlook that. It doesn't feel like a thunderous thing. It doesn't feel like an overwhelming thing. It's just a little flash. But God speaks to your spiritual mind in that way through little God thoughts, little God impressions. I call it knowing. Have you ever just known that you weren't supposed to be somewhere? Have you ever just known that something wasn't right with somebody? I've had people through the years say, I want to do something, you know, I want to do an event with you. I want to partner with you on something. And on the inside, I didn't have a word of the Lord. I didn't have an angel visitation. I just had a knowing on the inside of me, and that's not good. I don't need to do that. And if you had asked me to explain it to you, I could not explain it to you. I could just tell you that on the inside, something would say no. That's the mind of the spirit. God talks to your spiritual ears. Your spirit man has ears. There are different levels of the voice of God. There's the audible voice of God. Some people live their whole life and never hear that. Some hear it once, some hear it twice, some hear it many times. There's the audible voice of God. Then there's what Elijah called the still small voice, like a whisper. Most people can hear the roar of the Lord, but they can't hear the whisper of the Lord. Why? Because to get the whisper of the Lord, you have to be like John the Beloved. Your ear has to be close to him. You're not going to get the whisper of the ear, I mean the whisper of the Lord, 
watching soap operas and eating Cheetos. You're going to get the whisper of the Lord leaning on his chest, leaning into him. What our lives would look like if we lived leaned into the Father. Amen. So he talks to your spiritual mind. He talks to your spiritual ears. Um, and then he talks to your spiritual eyes. And there are different levels of visionary anointing. There are, there, there are open visions when you're standing in a room and all of a sudden your spirit man's lifted out of that room. Your eyes are open and you see something in the realm of the spirit completely different than where you're standing in the natural. Now, I don't know how to explain that to you. People say, well, was my spirit man caught up? Was I still standing in that room? I have no idea. I just know that in that moment, you're seeing another level, another realm. Then there are inner visions. That's where you're not seeing something with these eyes, but you're seeing with the inner eyes. You're looking with these eyes at this room, but on the inside of you, there's a picture. You know, to get that, you've got to tune in. It's like having a remote control, and all of a sudden, there's some static that goes, and you sense God wants to change the channel. But again, you could just sit there. You know, sometimes people are talking to me. You know, I moved to Oklahoma when I was five, and I had a dog named Spot, and then I got a headache, and then this lady prayed for me, and I'm like, oh, God, help me. And I slip out of the realm where they're talking, and I go into another realm, and I start seeing things. And the Holy Spirit gives me a battle plan how to address their problem. See, that's that inner vision. And there's a great leading of the Holy Ghost through inner visions. Then there's night visions. A night vision is when you are between sleep and awake and God encounters you. Something about that state. I went through a season that God had me getting up early every morning spending time with God, which my flesh just absolutely hated. But I'd wake up at four, I'd wake up at five, I'd wake up at three, and God would talk to me. My prayer journal got so filled with revelation during that time. I'm writing books and things out of that time of encounter with the Lord. During that asleep and awake, one of the founders, uh, one, one of the real figures in American history, Benjamin Franklin, there's a, there's a rumor about Benjamin Franklin that he used to uh, put something on his lap. And he would let his body get between asleep and awake. And he'd put that object on his lap so that if it fell, it would snap him back. Because he found that in that space between asleep and awake, he began to have revelation and encounters. In those night visions, you're between asleep and awake. But there's a clear blueprint that comes to you. There's a vision of the Lord that comes to you. And then there's dreams. In the language of dreams, it's a completely different language. And prophetic dreams, very, very seldom you get a prophetic dream that, that, that the dream is actually literal. Night visions are many times literal. But much of the time when you get a prophetic dream, it's figurative. I had a dream one time I was preaching in Hawaii and I had this dream that a plane crashed. And I got so upset I didn't want to get on the plane to fly back home. And a friend began to ask me about my dream and I began to tell him. And he said, where were you in the dream? Think back on it. Were you in the cabin of that plane? As I began to think back on I wasn't on the plane. I was on the shore watching the plane. And he began to lead me through all this series of questions. And he said, here's the interpretation I have for you. The plane is not a plane. The plane is your ministry. And something that you thought was going to take off is about to crash. But God's showing you through a dream. It's going to be okay. Right before that trip, I had signed a lease on a building that we were going to move into. And all the details were done. And right after I had that dream and after it was interpreted, the lease, the man reneged on the lease. He backed out of it. 
And the Holy Spirit was saying through a dream, it's going to be okay. I have something better. My dream was nothing to do with the plane crash. I was sitting with a lady in North Carolina, and she said, I just keep having dreams about these tidal waves. And she's, she's lady's like 40-something, and she's been terrified that God's going to smash the eastern U.S. with a tidal wave. And I'm sitting with one of my spiritual sons who's a prophet and just a great dream interpreter, and he said, that dream has nothing to do with the tidal wave. Actually, that dream's an encouraging dream about revival that's coming to the land. See, God uses symbolism in dreams. So you don't just take a prophetic dream and run with that. You've got to interpret. Whenever there's revelation, there has to be interpretation. Sometimes one of the greatest pieces of advice for a prophetic person sometimes is just hold it. Sometimes you have to hold the download till you find out what does this mean? But you begin to cultivate that atmosphere by realizing you're hardwired to hear from God. By getting training, see, confusion will abort that. Uh, lack of faith will abort that. The Bible says we prophesy in Romans 12 according to our faith. We prophesy according to our faith. Now, one of the greatest things you can do to cultivate a prophetic spirit in your life is pray consistently in other tongues. Prophetic people have to be Holy Ghost prayer people. We've got to be people that are praying in the Holy Ghost all the time. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, in the Greek words there, when he's talking about more, I used to think of it this way, that Paul was going like this, how long do you pray in tongues today? And she goes, 15 minutes. How about you, an hour? How about you, two hours? How about you, five hours? Paul goes, well, I pray five and a half. I pray more in tongues than all of you. But in the Greek, that's not what he's actually saying. He's actually saying collectively. If I lined all of you up and measured, this is what Paul's saying, not me. How much you speak in tongues, I speak in tongues more than you all corporately. That's what tapped the revelation that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Prophetic people have to be tongues-praying people that you've got to learn to spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's look at Romans 8. Romans 8, this is a master key for the prophetic ministry in your life, is praying in other tongues. Romans chapter 8, verse number 26, said, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? He comes to bear us up in our weakness. You know what our greatest weakness is as human beings? We live too much in the realm of the flesh. And we don't have the answers. We are married and we think, well, if God would just make my wife not be crazy. I used to have a pastor and he said, Ryan, I'm going to help you, son. Then the ladies don't get mad at me because I didn't say it. He said, I was young and unmarried and loved God. He said, I'm going to help you. He said, what will help you so much in your married life as a man if you'll just get the revelation that all women are nuts. I told you, I didn't say it. He said it. Ladies, you'll just get the revelation that all men are nuts. God played a really weird trick on us. God took two different groups of people that don't understand each other, don't speak the same language, don't process the same, don't think the same, don't have the same desires, aren't made up the same, and said, I'm going to make you totally interdependent on each other. Why? Because I'm going to teach you how to walk in covenant love. And so well, you take a married person and say, if, if my wife would just stop being crazy, my life would be good. My husband would just be spiritual. You know, and this lady's like rolling across the floor. 
Well, your husband may not ever roll across the floor because most men process things logically. Not all, but most. Most men need to understand what's happening. See, one of, the, one of the worst things you can do is try to control other people by making them respond to the Holy Spirit like you do. And then you put them in works. Jerking can become a work. Laughing can become a work. Manifestations can become a work. When you begin to judge people's spirituality by if it looks like what you, the way you process, then you really put people in bondage. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is multifaceted and manifests in different ways. And so we begin to think, well, if I just get my wife changed, I'd be okay. So I'm going to start praying in tongues for my wife. Well, this is the master key of this. You don't get to control what you're praying in tongues for. You can stand there all you want and say, I'm praying for my wife. And the Holy Ghost says, I'm going to go down and grab that root of anger in him. And I'm going to surround that root by the word of God, by revelation. And when I put that revelation around that root, it's going to build his faith and we're going to bring that root up out of him. And I'm going to teach him to love his wife the way Christ loves the church. And he's no longer going to think that if she just quit being crazy, it's okay. But he's actually going to see her through my eyes. And when you begin to give yourself over to praying in other tongues, you release the prophetic flow on the inside of you. Our greatest weakness is we don't know how to pray. We can't see what's coming a year from now, but the Holy Spirit knows. We don't know the answer to get that miracle we need, but the Holy Spirit knows. We don't know how to deal with this rejection that we've done all that we knew to do, but the Holy Spirit knows. We don't know how to get our city to line up with the declaration of God and move in revival, but the Holy Spirit knows. We don't know how to release that healing well that we feel on the inside of us, but the Holy Spirit knows. We don't know how to get over that abuse, but the Holy Spirit knows. And in His infinite wisdom, He overrides our weaknesses. And begins praying the mysteries of God. He said the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses. We don't know what prayer to offer nor how to offer it worthily as we are. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplications and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. On top of the normal praying in other tongues, there's a realm of groaning in the Spirit. There's a realm that you can't hardly give expression to that takes you over into that travail realm you were talking about. And in that travail realm, things move. In that travail realm, things shift in that travail realm things are birthed in that travail realm things are shaken I was at Frank Summerall's house the son of Dr. Lester Summerall and he told this story his dad was preaching many many years ago as a young man in China and he was on a mule train so that's a group of mules loaded with supplies and people and he's riding on this mule and in days of travel he gets sick he prays every healing prayer. He knows how to pray. He prays every kind of prayer. He knows how to pray. And his body just gets worse and worse and worse. And he falls behind everybody else. And he's at the end of the mule train in the middle of nowhere. And finally, he accepts he's going to die out there in the middle of nowhere. And he falls off his mule on the ground, dying. And he says, after laying there for quite some time, all of a sudden... The Holy Ghost came on him. And life began to come into his body. And God resurrected him. He got back up on that mule. Caught up with the mule train. Was healed by the power of God and went about his journey. 
Many months later, he's back in America. And he's eating dinner at the home of this intercessor woman. And he's telling this story. And she said, can I ask you, Dr. Summerall, approximately what day and what time was that? And he told her, and she said, I'll be back in a moment. And she went and got her prayer journal from that day and that time. Said, I was just in my home at that time. And the Holy Ghost came on me, and I began to groan in the Spirit too deep for utterance. And as the Holy Ghost groaned, and she said, I used the spirit of a surrendered woman to rescue a man in a ministry that would shake nations. There are realms of the prophetic that are unlocked by praying in the Holy Ghost. I believe God wants tongues to become our primary realm of communication with heaven. That we find ourselves caught between two worlds. That's what tongues is. It's a key that unlocks the spirit world to us. Said the spirit goes and pleads with groanings too deep for utterance. He searches the hearts of men and knows what is the mind of the spirit. What his intent is because the spirit intercedes and pleads before God. When you pray in tongues, it builds a deep reservoir of peace on the inside of you. God never created you to be moved by every circumstance. See, you know, many times you get a prophetic word and then you lose that word because you become moved by the circumstance. God speaks to you and says you're healed. I remember one time I was ministering and there was a man in a wheelchair and the Lord said to me, Ryan, I want you to pray for that man in the wheelchair. I said, all right, God, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to heal that man. So I prayed for the man in the wheelchair. Nothing happened. I prayed again. Nothing happened. I prayed again. Nothing happened. I left that meeting quite discouraged. Some six weeks later, I got the report. That man said, that night when you prayed, something went into my body. Some kind of power, some kind of substance went on the inside of me. And I began to get a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger. And now six weeks later, I'm healed and up out of that wheelchair. See, the devil wants to steal the prophetic promises of God. But there's a reservoir of peace that comes by praying in other tongues. God didn't make you to be robbed of peace. I can tell how spiritual a person is not by the amount of utterances. That come out of them. But by the level of peace they walk in. You can't pray in tongues and not have peace. If you're, if you're lacking peace. You're not tapping that realm deep enough. You might be moving in and out of it. But there's a realm of praying in the spirit. That unlocks supernatural peace. Isaiah 28 11 says this. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Isaiah was prophesying about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. To whom he said, this is the rest wherein you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. He was saying there's a realm of praying in the spirit that unlocks supernatural peace. To cultivate a prophetic spirit, you've got to cultivate a a, a constant prayer in other tongues. Cultivate that realm of peace. Cultivate that reservoir, that supernatural reservoir of peace. Another thing that praying in tongues does, it un- unlocks and releases the master teacher. John 14, 26 says that, that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever he said unto you. One translation, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is the one that wrote the word. You might say, Ryan, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand when I read it, I get lost. Friend, I'm going to tell you, when you pray consistently in other tongues and cultivate that prophetic spirit, you'll begin to unlock revelation. God will download things into your spirit. Your brain 
brain might not understand it, but your spirit will come alive. When you begin to pray in other tongues, revelation is unlocked because you're releasing the master teacher of the Holy Spirit. Jude 20 said, But you, beloved, praying in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up on your most holy faith. There are really several different realms of tongues. That's why 1 Corinthians says the diversities of tongues. The most common realm is tongues for personal edification. That's Jude 20. Now, in that realm, it doesn't matter how loud I pray. It doesn't matter if my mind wanders off while I'm praying. See, when you pray in tongues, when you worship God, you're generating the sounds quite a bit from your brain. That's why when they sing a song that you like, your brain goes, oh, I like this. You're involving your soul, you're involving your spirit, and you're involving your body. But when you pray in tongues, you're not involving your mind a whole lot. You're involving your spirit, and you're involving your body a little bit in yielding. So in personal edification, it doesn't matter how loud you pray. You can sit there and pray to whisper, shaka. You could be at work at your desk. And what's happening? You're building yourself up. You're building yourself up. You're building yourself up. You're cultivating a prophetic spirit. Why? Because tongues will never go uninterpreted. Now, I'm not saying you're going to sit at your desk and go, shut up, blah, 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 God. Ryan, you're going to go eat a hamburger at McDonald's. There's going to be a lady in a red dress. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you're going to build your spirit man up. You may be in bed at night and have a prophetic dream, and that's the interpretation. You may be driving down the road, and revelation starts bursting on you. That's the interpretation. See, you cultivate a prophetic spirit praying in tongues and listening. 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 Many times the interpretation won't come right on the other side of your immediate praying. Why? Because it takes your human mind time to submit to the mind of God and catch up to the revelation. What happens is downloads come in your spirit, and eventually your consciousness becomes aware of what your spirit has received. So praying in the Spirit, Jude 20, personal edification. Then there's the realm of tongues, tongues for interpretation, not tongues for translation. Tongues for interpretation means to give a message in tongues, and then the showing forth of that message comes. When that flows together, it's equivalent to prophecy. So if I got up here and said, and I did that for 30 minutes, and Joy came up and gave a five-minute interpretation. God said he loves you. He has a plan for you. And he's going to move today. And you go, wait a minute. She only spoke five minutes and he spoke in tongues 30 minutes. It's not a translation. It's an interpretation. And then tongues. There's another diversity of tongues. Tongues is a sign of the unbeliever. What is that? Well, we get on an airplane. We go to China. We get up to preach. All of a sudden, some language shoots out of our belly. We start speaking what we think is some strange utterance in the Holy Ghost, and it is. But it's not an unknown language. It's a known language. And in perfect Mandarin dialect, we preach the gospel, even though we don't know how to speak Mandarin. That's tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. God wants to mantle people with foreign languages supernaturally. Then there's tongues. For deep intercession, that's the groanings. It's not really a language, it's a sound. I was talking to someone about revival. I don't know who I was talking to. Oh, yeah, I was talking to a young revivalist last night, and he said, I was preaching the other day, and I just felt like I needed to tell people it's okay to groan. And all of a sudden, a roar came. 
And I was thinking to myself, more and more I'm seeing in revival. You know, years ago I saw in revival just wonderful healings, and that would be what cracked the whole thing open. And I believe we're going to continue to see wonderful healings. But I'm seeing more and more this intercession in revival. It's like you go into a place and turn a key. And all of a sudden, this unlocking happens in the spirits of people. There are sounds that overtake your human mind and body and begin to cry out to God and move things. As far as I can tell, tongues is the only one of the nine spiritual gifts that's as diverse and multifaceted. Thus, when Paul references it, you know, Paul doesn't say realms of prophecy. Paul doesn't say realms of gifts of healings. Tongues are the only one, he says, diversities of tongues. One of the ways they've slayed the revelation of tongues and totally mantled a generation with deception is they took 1 Corinthians 14 and didn't understand Paul was teaching on the diversities of tongues. So when he says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all, he's talking Jude 20. When he says, don't get up and interrupt a public meeting and just speak in tongues forever without any interpretation, he's talking about uh, the gift of tongues interpretation. If I came in this afternoon, stood up here for two hours and said, and you just watched me for two hours, you wouldn't be helped at all. Paul was saying, you can't go and lead a meeting in tongues. I had prayer lines where we were praying for people in tongues, and someone said, well, that's unscriptural. Oh, it is? Well, you need an interpretation. Well, I think if they get whacked in the Holy Ghost, that's the interpretation. I think if they get healed, that's the interpretation. Paul said, you are living epistles. You can preach revelation or you can demonstrate through the power of God. When God comes into a service and you never open your Bible, but people get healed, you are manifesting the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. We've had enough man's information. We need the kingdom of God in demonstration. I say let a generation of demonstrators arise. Praying in tongues cultivates the prophetic spirit. Builds a well of peace, releases the master teacher. Now here's one that you probably have never thought of before. 1 John 2, 26. I feel a real heavy glory this morning. 1 John 2, don't start doing that, Holy Spirit. When I said that, he started giving me words of knowledge. I was with Barbara Yoder in Michigan and... uh, Mary Ray Rycraft. Mary Ray is one of the leaders at Catch the Fire Toronto. And then this drinker from Croatia was there. We were in the back talking about what we were going to do in the conference. And the pastor from Croatia sat next to Mary. And Mary put her hand on his shoulder and started letting him drink. And Barbara said, wait a minute, we're talking. Separate these two, will you? And made him separate. That's how I feel right now. Like, Holy Spirit, give me a little more space. Let me at least finish part of this revelation before you just start whacking people. First John 2, 26. Thank you, Holy Spirit. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. There's a whole class of demon powers that are seducing powers. I call them the anti-anointing group of demons. They step into a gathering, a hub, a ministry, the life of a believer, and they go after the anointing. They don't care if you sing little dead songs. I was preaching this one place, and I said, Dear God, if you sing another lullaby and put me to sleep, I'm going to scream. 
I need you to sing something that produces fire and governs the atmosphere. They don't care if you pray little wimpy prayers. Oh God, if it be your will. And demons laugh and go, ha, 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 ha. Oh God, I know I am but a wretch. Demons say, well, we can keep him bound. He doesn't know who he is. I'm going to pray for people to get healed. Jesus never told people to pray for people to get healed. He said, heal them. God's looking for some kingdom people. There's a whole class of demon that seduces people. What is seduction? To draw you away from plans, purposes, intents, and the creation of God on your life. But I want to show you something. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Verse 27. But the anointing, one translation says unction, which you received of him abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as that same anointing teach you of all things and his truth and is no lie, even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. There is a realm in tongues that supernaturally guards you from deception. See, when I got born again, I didn't know the Bible. If you handed me false teaching, my brain would not know it was false teaching. But I prayed in tongues. One day back in the tape days, this man handed me a tape, said, this guy's got a wonderful new revelation you need to listen to. I put it in my car. In five minutes, I felt like I was going to throw up. I popped it out. The Lord said, this man is in deep sin. That's why he's preaching what he's preaching, to cover what he's living in. Don't listen to it. I said, all right. And I pulled it out of the tape player. And the Holy Ghost said to me, don't just get out of the tape player. Throw it out of your car window and run over it. It was the pastor's son at the church I worked for that had given me the tape. Today, that man is so defiled. He lost his wife, who was a powerful prophetic worship leader. He's crazy. He's bound on drugs and overcome with demon powers. I see, he said to me, did you listen to that tape? I said, no, I pulled it out and threw it out of the car. And I told him what lifestyle that man was living in, said it will come out in two to three years approximately. That's why he's teaching what he's teaching. The man said to me, how did you know that? I said, the Holy Ghost knows it. He said, how long did you listen to? I said, about five minutes. He said, you can't judge a teaching in five minutes. I said, sir, I can't judge anything in five minutes. But the Holy Ghost that lives in me can. And the Holy Ghost said, no. I sat in a meeting, my wife and I, with a pastor of a large church. said, we want to plant you in a church. We're going to give you this and we're going to do that. We're going to do this. And this little voice would flash through my head and just say this word, liar. I kept hearing it, the homing liar, liar. Liar, liar. I said, I'm going to have to pray about it, which was really not the honest truth either. I probably need to repent of lying. The truth was I knew I wasn't going to do it. But I walked out of the room, said to Joy, what did you hear? She said, I kept hearing liar. The Holy Ghost was protecting us from seduction, from being drawn out of the plan of God. There's a realm in praying in tongues that when you release the master teacher, it guards you from seduction. You know, I want to be open to everything God has, but I don't want to be so open that I receive wrong things. One of the most demon-oppressed ladies I ever encountered was a lady that went on a trip to the Bahamas. She was normal when she left, and she came back. She was out of her mind. I asked her husband what happened. He said she went to a meeting in the Bahamas and swallowed a beam of light for an hour and a half. See, the devil's always looking for a way in. 
Now, you don't have to live in fear because when you're in the Holy Spirit, there's perfect peace. But as you cultivate that prophetic DNA in you by praying in other tongues, it's going to help guard you from seduction. Another thing it does is it unlocks and unravels spiritual mysteries. God has not reserved any mysteries from you. He's reserved them for you. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says you can pray out the mysteries. You give yourself over to praying in tongues, you start supernaturally unlocking the mind of the Spirit and downloading mysteries. Downloading mysteries. Downloading mysteries. Another thing it does is it releases the inner rivers of refreshing, of healing, of glory, and of joy. Jesus cried out in John 7, 37 and said, hey, there's coming a time when the Holy Spirit, the rivers are going to flow out of your belly. We don't live in a time where the anointing just comes upon us. We live in a time the anointing flows out of us. Praying in the Holy Spirit and cultivating a prophetic spirit on our life releases inner rivers. There are healing rivers in you. There are deliverance rivers in you. Isn't that good? It releases it. John G. Lake walked in such supernatural power. This is what he said about praying in tongues. He said, I want to talk with the utmost frankness and say to you that tongues have been the making of my ministry. It's rumored that Smith Wigglesworth said he would not preach till he had prayed properly in tongues. John G. Lake said, it's a peculiar communication with God. When God reveals to my soul the truth, I utter to you day by day in the ministry. Many times I climb out of bed. This is John G. Lake talking. I take my pencil and my pad and jot down the beautiful things of God, the wonderful things of God that he talks out in my spirit and reveals to my heart. To cultivate that prophetic atmosphere, you've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. And then you need to capture what you pray out. You need to become a constant journaler, a recorder.